0: Crap with Beth and Matt. Cut to Crap is the world's number one no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Hello friends and fellow no bullshitters. We are really excited for this week's episode. This week we are chatting with registered dietitian Elena Eford. We discuss all things metabolism including whether or not your metabolism is broken and other common myths regarding metabolism. We also discussed some other myths we have been hearing regarding nutrition. Let's jump into it. Hi, Elena. How are you doing today?
1: Good. How are you guys?
0: Amazing. We're awesome. We're excited yes. to have Thank you. So much. Yes, we are so excited to have you.
1: Yeah, I am too. I feel like we talk all the time, but not not with <laughs> picture, you know? Our
0: first face-to-face. What? Yeah. It's, right? it's funny because we're obviously we're in a, a group chat with each other and we kind of share content and, and, and ideas yeah. and things like that. And I, I love that we're able to connect with each other here. We've had... Um, some of the other group members, um, especially mm-hmm. registered dietitians there, we've had uh, Andy and Zach have been on yeah. um, the podcast as well. So you're like making the trifecta now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Love it. Um, so Elena, you're located in New Hampshire. Is that right?
1: Vermont, Burlington. Vermont.
0: Okay. Burlington. I knew it was somewhere out that way. So Okay. Yep. How's Same everything working out? The
1: world is me, kind of. Yeah, it was 18 degrees this morning. So that was fun. Oh,
0: man. Yeah. It's, uh, today oh, in it's Ohio, great. it's getting up to 70, I think, but on Monday it was like 20 and snowing. It's like, it's just yeah. bipolar weather right now. You know, <laughs> yeah.
2: it's like that during the spring.
0: Yes. Yes. it is. I'm sure
2: we'll get another <laughs> snowstorm too. Don't yeah. even, Beth, why would you say that?
0: are <laughs> <laughs> just bringing, wishing That's evil upon yourselves.
2: It happens, but hopefully yes. not
0: yeah ohio's been known to give april uh snowstorms too so we're not out of we're not out of the clear yet so no easter's uh, in
2: like a, two weeks already
0: yeah the first was it the first sunday of of april right i think 18th i think is it okay yeah gotcha. um so elena for everybody listening um can you introduce yourself um what is it that you do and and who the heck are you
1: Yes, I'm Elena Eford. I am a registered dietitian. I work at a clinic called the Calm Clinic in Burlington, Vermont, like I just mentioned. And I work a lot with eating disorders and then also with individuals like really trying to stop fad dieting, our favorite thing ever. Um, Something that we do at my clinic is a metabolic test and a body composition. So we put everybody that comes in through our metabolic test so that we can see their resting metabolic rate and really help them figure out how they need to fuel their bodies Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm the lead dietitian here and that's what we do.
0: Okay. I love the metabolic testing because you do a lot of case studies on TikTok with that. Now, mm-hmm. if I understand correctly, there's not a lot of other um, clinics and, and, and registered dietitians that, ha- that do that, right?
1: Yeah. I don't really think there's, well, there's one in upstate New York. There's obviously the other locations that our clinic has in Connecticut, Boston, and Arizona, but otherwise there's none that I'm aware of that it's uh-huh. like a dietitian specifically that runs the metabolic test and uses it the way we do.
0: So h- how does that metabolic testing, uh, how does that work? And, and, how, and how do you use it?
1: So everybody who comes in their first visit, it's something that we do. So you sit under this bubble. It's kind of funny. We joke, you look like an astronaut and that you just breathe. It's measuring your ratio of carbon dioxide out versus oxygen in. And that tells us a number called respiratory quotient which tells us if your body is burning more carbohydrates or more fat and then also your resting metabolic rate so of course how many calories your body needs to do nothing and so we always do that at the first visit so that we have a baseline see where that person's resting metabolic rate is and then adjust mm-hmm. their nutrition goals based on that number
0: okay now something something you cover when your case studies a lot is how fad dieting and yo-yo dieting throughout somebody's entire lifetime has an impact on their metabolism mm-hmm. right
1: Yeah, for sure. We definitely see, especially when I have someone who's a chronic fad dieter, that their metabolic rate is lower than we would expect it to be. So we always Mm -hmm. compare it to a predicted number. And usually the predicted is based off like Harris Benedict or Mifflin St. George or something like that. And there's times where people are significantly lower than that when there's someone who's done, you know, every name brand diet there is.
2: Right. Okay. And, and how common, because I know we hear this on TikTok a lot, right? Like my, my metabolism is, it's slow. And, and, you know, am I, am I in starvation mode, which we know is a myth. So how common is it for
1: someone to get to such a low metabolic rate? What I see is pretty common. So I think there's a big, di- I guess you could say discrepancy, right? Some people think mm-hmm. that if they have a quote unquote, low metabolic rate, that it's going to be like a thousand. That's not necessarily true. Right. So I'll see someone, for example, I had someone come in, whose predicted was about 2,300, but their actual was like 1850. So that's not necessarily a low metabolic rate, but it's lower than where we predict it to be. And if they had been using an online calculator, they would have been way overestimating their caloric
0: needs. So we see
1: that a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, yeah
0: and that's yeah, sure. that's of course with those online calculators, right? Which you know, people like Beth and myself and a lot of other people refer people to those, but not to mm-hmm. use them as gospel, right? Just to get a um, an estimate because that's all they are. Because, like you just said, they don't take into anybody's unique circumstances, history of dieting, especially, um, and, and things like that. So, um, those, those are very generalized, and um people, people ask us all the time, like, oh, I'm, I looked at two, three different calculators and they gave me something different. Which one should I be using? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like way people are way overcomplicating that. And, um, I don't know what's, what's your, what's your take on like the online calculators? Um, obviously we see people misuse them and misunderstand what their, what their purpose is. Right.
1: I think some of them can be really helpful. Um, especially when I'm talking to people just via TikTok. I'm like, Hey, check it out. Like, like Mm -hmm. you said, don't Mm -hmm. use it as gospel, but it's great baseline information. So I'm not opposed to them. Uh, you just, again, have to take it with a grain of salt sometimes.
0: Sure. Sure. So when somebody comes in and their metabolic rate is significantly lower than you would expect it to be, uh, what is it that you typically, how do you handle that?
1: Well, so usually we actually have them start eating more first because in those situations, they've obviously been doing a fat diet or restricting their intake way too low in some form or another. Mm-hmm, so we mm-hmm. actually work on increasing their intake. We have them take in more food and that will help pull up their resting metabolic rate. Sorry, <coughs> tickle my throat. Um, that'll help pull up the resting metabolic rate. So we have them eat more first and then we'll redo their metabolic test. Hopefully we'll see that that resting metabolic rate has come up close to where we predict it or somewhere we'd like it to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then we'll go from there.
0: And that's not just an overnight thing, right? Like, um, especially with, as a conditioned as we are to, to buy into diets and things like that, people expect like a reverse diet, right. Um, to just, okay, do I do that for 30 days or something? And then I'm fixed. Like, no, it, it takes a lot longer mm-hmm. than, right.
1: Oh yeah. I can take like four to six months just to do that, which is really hard for people, especially yeah. if they're coming in, like, I want to lose weight and I have to be like, well, actually we kind of need to put that on the back burner for a little while. We've got to mm-hmm. get your body healthy. We've got to stop you fad dieting we'll talk about that later. And that's hard to hear, which I understand. Right? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Weight loss isn't always the answer. Absolutely. It's, right. it's getting healthy first. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and then maybe weight loss doesn't even need to happen once you get healthy. Right. Um, yeah. so, um, okay. And then do you also see, um, I know when some of your case studies that you've posted, people are just killing themselves with exercise on top of, Uh, vastly under eating. So they're not even fueling their bodies uh, efficiently for the exercise they're already doing, right? Like five, six days a week, hours a day, maybe hit every day, things like that.
1: Yeah. We see that all the time. And in those instances with pretty severe restriction and overexercise or whatever, that's when we often see the really, really low metabolic rates, like Mm -hmm. maybe down at a thousand or 1100 or something way lower than we predict. And then also with our body composition, that's when we see that that lean mass amount is usually way lower than we would Mm. expect it to be, or just definitely not as high as it should be for that particular individual. So
2: they've ended up losing muscle and stuff Mm -hmm. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I just had someone come in who had basically been doing that. She hadn't been in for a really long time. She lost about 10 pounds of like scale weight, but four and a half of it was muscle, which is way too high of a ratio of fat. Yeah. fat. Yeah. Mm Yeah that's quite a lot of muscle actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so they were probably doing like a crash diet, right? Like, or, or just years and years of dieting.
1: They were doing a crash diet because basically what happened is their weight loss was sort of plateauing. The last time that they were in the office, they hadn't been in in probably almost a year. Okay. And so they were like, I'm going to do this and
0: you know. whatever the trend was lately. And so yeah. for those listening, what, what is a crash diet? How would you define a crash diet?
1: Right. Fresh diet to me is anything that's going to cut out a food group, severely restrict calories, be something that they claim to be is like, oh, you just have to do this and you're going to lose weight. And then secondary to that, that they're promising that you're going to lose weight really, really quickly because we know Mm. that that's not realistic and not sustainable. Yep. Um, and then the other thing, and I say this all the time, is can you really do this forever? The thing I always mm-hmm. ask my clients is like, can you do this on vacation? If the answer is no, then it's probably a crash diet, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from a few nuanced things there, but for the most part, if you can't follow it no matter what you're doing in life, chances are it's a crash diet.
0: And mm-hmm. and I love that um, the way you say if you if you can do if you can do this on vacation or if you can't do this on vacation, you know, and that's a common that's one of my biggest gripes with say intermittent fasting, right? Because one of my favorite things to do on, on, on vacation, especially if it's on a beach vacation is like mimosas in the morning or bloody, Ma- bloody Mary's in the morning. And, you know, and people then, then they'll argue, be like, but well, you're on vacation. You just ignore it. Like you don't follow it then. Like, okay. So you're kind of just, it's not a lifestyle. You just proved it's not a lifestyle. And what, what we talk right. about all the time is making lifestyle changes. And it's just, it's just funny how people will try to, they will defend these diets and these ways of eating to the death, essentially, even though it makes mm-hmm. no sense. <laughs> I
1: know. I said that about yeah. keto. I was like, what if, what would you do if you like went to Italy or you did all these things? And everybody was like, well, of course you just, yeah. <laughs> while you're there, I'm like, okay. so uh, right. <laughs> <Yep>.
0: Thank <laughs> you. <It> like, <laughs> bingo. Yeah.
2: Right. Actually, I'm curious about like hunger cues. I get a lot of people asking me like, I, you know, I'm only eating this amount, but I'm just not hungry from consistently dieting and eating low calories. Can you, you know, screw up your hunger cues where you don't really know anymore that you're actually eating that low consistently?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you have to think of it and I know this can be like, not the general population, but think about it with anorexia, right? Mm -hmm. Anorexia, they're not hungry either right? And it's because your hormones adapt. Your body is very responsive to how you treat it. And sometimes I explain it to clients as sort of like the boy who cried wolf. At some point, Mm -hmm. you were ignoring that hunger. And then your body was basically like, well, hey, I'm not going to send you ghrelin anymore because you're not listening. And so then you stop getting hungry. And so part Mm -hmm. of what we have to do, sort of what I was talking about with getting people to eat more, is Mm -hmm. not listen to their hunger, which feels super counterintuitive. Gotcha. But you have to in order in order to get those consistent hunger cues back, because mm-hmm. realistically, we should feel hungry with some regularity. If yeah, you don't right. get hungry every day till 6 p.m., yeah, your hunger cues are probably messed up. Yeah. yeah. And, you know,
2: when someone says that I'm never hungry and I'm eating up this much, I'm like, if I only eat that much, I would be dying right now, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, my God, I, by 12 o'clock, I'd be passed out.
0: Yeah. That was the biggest, uh, th- one of the big things for me when I was doing intermittent fasting. I actually experimented with OMAD for a while before I ever got into what I do now um, back when I was doing all these stupid things myself. Um, <laughs> and I, I did, I did eventually like, that's a common thing with intermittent fasting, right? It's like, Oh, you're going to be hungry for the first week or two because you're skipping breakfast, you know? So, um, when, mm-hmm. then when you, um, move away from intermittent fasting, you're having to force yourself to eat breakfast, essentially to get that back. Then now when I don't eat breakfast, I get very, um, my lethargic, my energy levels are through the floor and I just don't feel good. Um, yeah, and it's not that like, Maybe that might sound bad to some people because, like, oh my god, you started eating breakfast, and now, now, when you don't eat it, that's bad. But like, no, it's I'm just now I'm in more of a natural rhythm for my body and fueling my body in a way that it needs because of you know my activity levels and my goals and things like that. Skipping breakfast okay. just isn't ideal for for most people because um, you know it's going to tend to for, for for myself and I know for clients and there's there's research to support this too, right? Like um skipping breakfast tends to lead to overeating at night um and snacking and and binging and things like that and front loading your calories or your and your protein throughout the day or earlier in the day is always a, usually a good idea.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um you mentioned like so what what you've been kind of referring to is what metabolic adaptation essentially, right? Just like extreme cases of it with is that fair to say? Yeah. Um So what's the difference then let's Beth already mentioned this was the starvation mode. So starvation mode is a very popular myth that's out there. And we, we love busting myths here. So, um, what, what, but starvation mode essentially, right, is people saying like you're you're eating too few calories and now your body's holding on to fat because it's starving. Or
2: well, right? you're you're gaining weight because you're eating too few calories. That's another one that I hear a lot too.
0: Which yeah. which I mean, correct, like it's impossible. That's not possible, right? You're right you're, because you're the laws of thermodynamics, like your your body's not just creating that energy out of nowhere by just consuming fewer calories. So what what's the difference between starvation mode and then metabolic adaptation?
1: So, well, starvation mode, of course, is what you just said, is this idea that you're not gonna take, you're taking in too little, but still gaining weight. That's not the difference there. The (laughs) metabolic adaptation Mm -hmm. is your metabolism quite literally just slowing down a little bit to Mm -hmm. compensate for how you're feeding it, right? So your body is really good at adapting sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. And if you're consistently under fueling, it's not just gonna keep burning this amount, like super, super high and only eating really low, right? It's gonna bring down your metabolism so that it's burning similar to what you're fueling it. And so that's what metabolic adaptation is, right? So if your metabolic rate should be at 1800 and you've been eating 1000 calories every day, your metabolism is probably going to start dropping down closer to that a thousand over time.
0: And then another thing with metabolic adaptation too, sorry, Beth, um, (laughs) is let's (laughs) say somebody goes on a weight loss journey, right? They start at 300 pounds. They drop weight down to 200 pounds. That's a natural process, right? Metabolic adaptation is going to happen at that point Mm -hmm. because there's, there's no, your body doesn't require as much energy to maintain. Right. So um, people think that metabolic adaptation is a bad thing, but it's a natural thing. Like there's extreme cases, of course, but, Um, understanding, uh, that it's natural, I think is important. What were you going to say, Beth?
2: I was going to like, you know, ask about like, let's say timeline. So when people say I'm in a plateau, right. We all know, like after (laughs) like two weeks, two weeks, so like realistically, like how long would someone have to be eating like in such a low for your metabolism to, you know, metabolically adapt to that level?
1: Probably like four to six months. So it it takes time. Your metabolism is not just going to drop in a few weeks. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's consistently low intake, which is why, you know, bringing back to what we were saying earlier, the chronic fad dieters are the ones who usually experience this the most outside of eating disorders, of course. But
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're all taking a a water drink break here. So
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say another, another, uh, I think that, well, maybe we should, because we are all in the heat of this TikTok, like ingredients. Um, how toxic is this right now, you guys? Um, and Elaine, I know you've been like, you know, advocating for the ingredients and the oils. And I mean, it's just, it's insane. Insane, the amount of fear, right? And how many myths
1: you have to debunk with, with the ingredient police? It drives me crazy. I mean, let's be realistic. Most people need ways, need to learn ways to fuel their body well in a mm-hmm. pretty quick way. Most people don't have a bunch of time to be cooking all these meals. It needs to be convenient. And yeah, we want it to be well balanced, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Most
1: people can barely do that consistently. Yeah. Then these videos pop up and they're like, well, you can't have this ingredient. You can't eat that. Don't eat anything with canola oil in it. It's killing you. And you can't do this, 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 and this. And then it's like, oh my God, well, I just had this. It, it just, it makes everything so much more confusing than it needs to be. No one needs to be blaming an ingredient until people can just fuel their bodies well consistently. Do that first yeah. and then let's Get back talk. to the
0: basics. Yeah. yeah. Right,
1: right, right.
0: <laughs> and the basics. So, so the basics for, for nutrition um, from a registered dietitian, what, what would you consider the basics to be?
1: Well, I mean, from a specifically food standpoint, is you want to prioritize protein. I always tell my clients, like, try to make protein the star of your plate. Everything else can sort of fall in it. Of course, yes, we want lots of fruits and veggies. I know it's stereotypical, but it's true. And then, yeah, whole grains. But that doesn't mean that you can't eat other grains like white flours and white rice and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Those are like the main things that we know and has been sort of steady throughout all nutrition research that's the best, right? People always say like, Oh, the Mediterranean diet, what does the Mediterranean diet do? All of those things prioritizes
0: those mm-hmm. things.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then from like pattern of intake, there's no specific thing that works best. I tend to recommend front loading calories, getting in mm-hmm. more in the early part of the day to prevent that, like snacking and binging behavior yeah. in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. Like be consistent. That's with the
0: magical the- pill right there. Yeah. Mil- right. consistency. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Imagine that the C word. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to do, right? Like so many people aren't yeah. consistent. They'll do that for three days and then not for four days.
0: That's yeah, not and that's not consistency, right there. That's yeah, that's less than half the time. <laughs> all right, okay. Oh, yeah, so where, like, I, mean, I think we have good ideas. I mean, where where this all stems from, like um, these quick fixes. But in your opinion, where where does uh, this constant this just need for quick results and just constantly dieting and, and fitting down to lose those five, 10, 20 pounds, whatever it might be. Like there's a lot of different sources of that, but from your perspective.
1: Well, it's just this sort of general idea that you have to lose weight fast. And if you don't, you're literally going to die tomorrow. You're going to get diabetes and all these things are going to happen. Right. The fear. Know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the fear. It's this idea that it has to happen immediately when, when, We know that actually like constant weight fluctuation, people that have like lost a bunch of weight and regained weight is actually more detrimental to your health than staying at a higher weight. And so you need to just focus on being consistent. We're going to say that word a thousand times. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's slow. Like you don't have to drop this 50 pounds super quickly just because your doctor said you need to. So yeah. I think that's the problem. It's this idea that it has to happen really fast or it's not going to work and everything's going to go, you know, we need to just like, relax, take things slowly. And that's what then leads people to think they need the magic pill or whatever, because it has to happen quickly. Right. So
0: right. you said something there um, about how losing weight and regaining that and kind of
2: yeah, I was that vicious that. cycle, yeah. how
0: that can be detrimental to your health. Why is that now? I, I, my personal Take on this would be because our fat cells, right? We don't, we never lose fat cells, but we just kind of what deplete them in a way, and then you know we can build more. But once we or create more, and those just never go away; they get larger and smaller. Now, is that, is that related to that, or?
1: Yeah, it's definitely that, and then like in the research that they've done on it, it's basically that you know over those times, your weight just continues to get higher and higher. so the first time you lose 20 pounds you might gain back 25 and then the next time you lose 30 pounds you gain back 50 and so people's just sort of baseline weight starts to trend up over time Mm. So that's definitely a piece and then as we know usually the people who are on that weight fluctuation are losing a lot of lean mass and then that's correlated to the immunity the longevity the bone health so their lean mass a lot of times actually ends up being lower even at a higher weight or maybe the same, but a higher weight. So lower, uh, sure. percentage wise. So.
0: so with each cycle of the diet, essentially they're, they're gaining more body weight, but then when they do that cut, then they're also losing more muscle mass too. Is that like, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and muscle mass is a really good, um, indicator of longevity and overall health and bone mm-hmm. density, you know, and those things are all impacted by crash dieting and, and constant con- chronic dieting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you naturally lose a little bit of muscle mass as you get older.
0: Yeah. Sarcopenia. You can, yeah, yeah. You can prevent yeah.
1: like that, but this chronic dieting just like pre-ages the body is what I sometimes tell my client. I'm like, you're making your body age faster than it needs to by doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And I love that. Um, that little note there too, is that I've been on some, some coaching calls recently and, um, with like, you know, mid tw- mid twenties, early twenties and a reoccurring theme is, um, I want to do this right. And I want to build a lifestyle now because I'm, I'm I'm aware of like all these detrimental health effects and I've been dieting for five years or so. And now I want to start building a family and I want to set a good example for my family and and be around for the long term. So I I do think that the paradigm is shifting in in a way, but um, not as quickly as we would like. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think it's ever going to be fully, um, And there's always gonna be money to be made in in diet industry, right? So unfortunately, there's always gonna be bad information and misinformation out there. But I do, I do see like the work that you're doing and the work other registered dietitians and doctors are doing really having a huge impact, at least on TikTok and, Mm -hmm. and other platforms.
1: Yeah, we try. You know, we're all funded by big canola oil, though. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you're, uh, you're part of the the, the collective, right? <laughs>
1: yep, yeah, right, what was right. that word? Uh, what, did they, what was that one I posted? She said something. I forget. Yeah, some word like, like that. The collective, oh. the, uh, whatever. These words that they throw out there, like
2: some of them can't even pronounce them, but they're like, this this ingredient is bad, right? And they like, can't even <laughs> say what it is.
0: Yeah. So. I love making, I love poking fun at those ones as we've been doing recently, Beth, but. I have,
1: to. or they yeah, read like riboflavin or something and they're like, C, and I'm like, you mean that's a B vitamin, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah. man. Yeah. Um, another big topic is sugar addiction. <laughs> yeah?
0: Oh, that's a, that's a we heavy one. we
2: talked about that before. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about over and over again, because it's mm. a, it's a term like a lot of people throw around loosely, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: What do you think about sugar addiction, Elena? So you oh, can't uh, be-
0: Loaded, loaded question. I know,
1: right? <laughs> you, you can't be addicted to sugar, um, you can't. It doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier in the same way that a drug would. It just simply doesn't happen. Um, So you can't be addicted to sugar. What I think is happening is that people aren't eating enough calories or eating enough protein. And then that Mm -hmm. sugar becomes the high reward thing. So it feels like they're addicted to sugar because that's the thing giving them energy. That's the thing that they're craving, right? Whereas had they eaten maybe a higher protein meal or had just been more consistent with their intake, those natural energy levels are going to increase and then stay higher. And some of that is just purely due to like these blood sugar spikes. If you're eating all sugar carbs and not really a lot of protein, your blood sugar is just bouncing up and down. And so mm-hmm. of course you're going to feel low energy and then feel like the sugar helps. And then it's just this cycle. Right. But most people are actually underfueling their body or not eating enough of other macronutrients. Mm-hmm. And then they feel like they're addicted to sugar. But I mean, biochemically speaking, you you can't be addicted to sugar, right here. A lot of people, you know, saying that
2: when they decide to get off sugar, right? Like they go through these detox symptoms. So it must be just as addictive because why would I have a headache for instance? So can you explain like why that may happen if someone just decides to cut all sugar from their diet?
1: Um, well, I think it's a few things like any change like that is probably going to have a reaction, right? So anytime Mm -hmm. that you cut any food out, like I could cut out, I don't know, carbs and I'd probably feel Mm -hmm. one way or another, good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's just partially the way that what we've gotten used to, like they've gotten used to a certain feeling, having the sugar. Mm -hmm. And then when that comes away, they might notice it. Um, from like a biochemistry standpoint, I don't know. Do you know why they would particularly get a headache?
2: No, it's like, I think like the same, like when you stop drinking coffee, for instance, you yeah. know, you might get a headache from that or. But, but,
0: but also by cutting out that one thing, like they could be doing other, cutting out other things or making other changes in their life too. It's not just that, it's, it's, it's almost never just one thing, right? It's a collection. Mm-hmm, that's, that's what our health is. It's a collection of everything that we're doing. And mm-hmm. it's not just one thing, one habit. And what I see, I feel like a lot of it with sugar, there's two things that I always like to kind of call out for, for sugar addiction when people are claiming that is it's usually a behavior based thing where Mm -hmm. people are using sugary foods, candy, whatever it might be as a crutch for emotional eating, stress eating and things like that, where that's the problem. Isn't the sugar. It's how you're using the sugar. It's the behavior that you're associating with Mm -hmm. that. Right. And then the second thing that I would say is Um, usually that sugar is a hyper palatable food. So it's usually some kind of combination with something really salty or filled with fat. So that, that trifecta or that combination is what's making it super, super tasty and wanting you wanting more like a, a Snickers, for instance, like, you know, that's not just sugar. It's, it's got, um, nuts and other things in it too. So it's just, um, not just one ingredient.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, usually when people do these detoxes or something, they're naturally eating, more of something, maybe it's more protein or more vegetables, or they're just changing their intake, which is of course going to impact you. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Oh, I feel so much better." I'm like, "Well, yeah, your entire <laughs> diet changed, like- <laughs>
0: right. your life, yeah, and your lifestyle changed. Like, you're look at that, you're 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 moving more, you're you're you know, you're getting more activity, and 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 that can't be understated too, the importance of movement, and that's what we talk about all the time, especially as with me and Beth, we recommend these two 10 minute walks like every single day, because that's gets people moving and it it allows you to take some time for yourself and clear your head. And you're going to be feeling better as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we start stacking other things on top of that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now back up to metabolism a little bit, because I'm super, like I love how much knowledge you have and what you do with Yeah. What are some, so some, some common um, metabolic myths out there. So I know the one that was covered in our group chat, I think just yesterday was the, um, the fire, the fire uh, log analogy with stoking, constantly stoking your metabolism with five meals Mm -hmm. a day or something like that. That's a very common myth. And one, we still hear in in gyms every day with growth science, right? So you don't need to be, um, constantly eating in order Mm -hmm. to maintain like five, five meals a day. Right.
1: Right, no, because you're again, your metabolism isn't gonna change that quickly. It would take months. Mm-hmm. So either months mm-hmm. of undereating or frankly, even overeating is what's gonna cause your metabolism to go mm-hmm. up or down, but not in a day to day, like hour to hour situation. Right. Um, the other thing is I think a lot of people think there's metabolism boosting foods, That's ah. amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, caffeine will cause your metabolism to go up for about an hour or two, maybe by like three.
0: That's very minute, isn't it? It's, it's very small. Right.
1: Yeah, like if my metabolism went up from I don't know 1650 to 1653, that's not <laughs> gonna make a difference, no, right? No. So, there's a lot of like myth out there that there's metabolism boosting foods. Mm-hmm. On the same note, there's just in general these quote unquote metabolism booster diets or supplements yeah. or goals, mm-hmm. that none of that is true. Um, the only thing that's, I mean, of course you have like your thyroid that regulates metabolism, but things right. that you're actually doing that impact your metabolism is pretty much building lean mass and eating lean mm-hmm. mass is what's correlated to a higher metabolism. Cause it's the most metabolically active substance in the body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so anything touting anything else is not true. Right. One other thing that's a big one is a lot of people think that if they have a low metabolism, they're doomed to have it. They're just like, mm-hmm. well, right. right I've got a low metabolism. That's just me. That's not actually true. Like you can pull those numbers up to what extent is probably person specific, but you just, you're not just born with a low metabolism or up or even born with a high metabolism.
0: One of the most uh, fascinating things was a, what there was a recent study showing what the the way that metabolism, a metabolic rate changes from the ages of what, 20 to 60. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of shockwaves in the world ended it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. it doesn't change hardly at all. Right. And it only decreased slightly after 60. It wasn't this like huge drop. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, basically age doesn't have the impact on metabolism that everybody thought.
0: Yeah. Cause I hear that all the time is I just turned 50. And as you know, I, I turned 50 and now my metabolism's junk, you know, it's like, no, it doesn't. Right. There's I'm sure there's outliers to that. Right. As with everything, but for the general public, no, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Right. For, for me, that's, uh, not for me, but I think for people, we want to be able to blame something like that, right? Because yeah, of they're, is that they're not in control then is, is the way I look at it. Like, um, you know, that just happened to them and, that, and there's nothing they can do about it, but th- that you can absolutely control that. You can absolutely do something about that.
1: Yep. Um, yeah. And people are always looking for something to blame. Or again, like we said earlier, something that's going to be the quick fix with everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, so another myth, um, that we hear a lot is, um, eating breakfast to, um, kickstart your metabolism, right. As if your as, as, as if your metabolism just overnight, right. Isn't like you need to eat something in the morning in order to get it going, but we're obviously metabolism is just this constant thing. It's always going, it's how, it's how your body works. It's so this, this myth, like what, obviously that's not true, but like, where the hell does that even come from? I'm sure that's some type of a program too, somebody selling something for that, but yeah,
1: I don't know exactly where it comes from, but yeah, maybe it's just this idea that when you're sleeping, your body's like not doing anything, which isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes when people say that to me, I'm like, look, if you, you know, God forbid we're in a coma, they'd still be feeding you. Right. Like they're still giving you food because everything else is pretty much functioning. Right. That's your your resting
0: metabolic rate right there. Right. Like, yeah.
1: And so I wonder if people think that, you know, just overnight, because you're not doing anything, your metabolism must be dropping. And again, it's like, yeah, it might come down a little bit, like maybe, oh, we'll use the 650 analogy, maybe if 650 to 1600, and then comes right, you know, but not enough that's going to be significant to impact anything or say, for example, you have to eat breakfast in order to Unquote, unquote boost your metabolism that's mm-hmm. just yeah it's not a thing <laughs> and then you have the other opposite
2: of the spectrum that intermittent fasting is the way to go for that oh, no. you know so <laughs> <laughs> i just don't understand it's right. like it makes I no nothing makes sense fast. to me like i don't yeah I
1: don't people get care. really
2: like um angry if you don't agree <laughs> with like they're like you don't know what it does um it's it's like they define themselves by intermittent fasting
1: that's your personality.
2: Right? Like, I'm an intermittent faster. I'm I'm a I'm keto. It's like, okay. Hi, Mr. Keto. How are
1: you? Keto um, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> Those people must be so boring at parties, you
0: know? Yeah. Like, oh. Totally. <laughs> what do they do? Um, what, yeah. what do the intermittent fasters do at, at a party? Do they go, do they go home at 8 or 10 p.m. when their eating windows done, or are they just drinking water or not eating snacks or anything? No like, brunch. No, right? Of course, everybody's window that they use is different, but the most right. common one is 12 to eight, right? So mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Um, what about hor- hormonal regulating diets or homo- hormone regulating
1: foods? <laughs> <laughs> also, also not a thing.
0: We're tackling all of them.
1: Yay. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I actually made a video about metabolism, what I was just saying of like things that help your metabolism. And someone commented mm-hmm. and they're like, can't believe you didn't talk about hypothyroid. I was like, yeah, because that is not representative of the general population.
0: Mm-hmm. If you do
1: have a thyroid disorder, of course that's going to impact things. Right. Absolutely. But I looked this up when I saw that comment, it's about 12% of the population. So most people don't have a thyroid disorder. And so th- it's not playing a role, right? And so this whole concept that like, you have to regulate your hormones, It's the same as all of these other things. It's implying that automatically there's something wrong and you need to do my program to fix it when
0: creating a problem, selling you the solution.
1: Exactly. Most people don't have the baseline problem. Yep. And that's the thing. It's like
2: so many people comment, you know, what about my, my hormones, my hormones, my hormones, most of them have never even had them tested.
0: They just assume that, that, that absolutely
2: won't. like, you know, this is because actually I, I was that person at one point, you know, mm-hmm. until I actually got them tested and he was like, that's nothing wrong with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I get it, but it's yeah. like so many people want to blame something that they have no idea. Um, and then they get super mad at you because you're not catering to the hormonal
1: dysfunction needs of somebody. hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, you know, then of course there's people who are like, oh, well, I regulated my hormones and all of this change happened right. and, you know, and yeah, maybe that person did have something wrong and they corrected it and things did happen, but maybe they didn't. And maybe like what we were saying earlier, they just made all of these lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Maybe similar to what happened to you, Beth. Maybe they were like, oh, something's wrong with my hormones. <laughs> Someone told them that there wasn't. And they were like, oh, crap. So then they actually made all these lifestyle change and then everything turned mm-hmm. out great, but it had nothing to do with the hormones to begin with.
0: Yeah. Yeah and then so on that note too i this is a term i've been hearing more of and there's a very popular um v shred right is one a very mm-hmm. popular one he, apparently there's this metabolic confusion that he's been touting or they've been touting lately somebody asked me about this in my dms yesterday um but like confusing <laughs> your metabolism like what what like what in the hell where does this shit come from like obviously money like it comes from money but yeah, they yeah. take just the sciencey sounding terms that aren't even a real thing and then just package it up to the general public for a couple hundred bucks um and here you go do this and you're you're fixed right it's it's mm-hmm. crazy metabolic confusion yeah. <laughs> do you hell? even
1: know what they mean when they say metabolic confusion
0: i doubt they even know what they mean they just uh, you know and especially with like v shred he's got these elaborate um one hour long webinars that he'll do to pitch you and sell and just convince you that like he'll he'll take very common problems and uh, tie it into whatever he, this term is that they've created yes.
2: He's about um, eating for your body type, like ectomorph, mesomorph yeah. type type thing. What like
0: yeah.
1: is ridiculous? Yeah, I don't.
0: And v Shred is like a hundreds of million dollars a year business. Like it's insane.
1: Yeah, I've heard of v Shred. I just didn't know that that was based off of metabolic confusion. I think it well, is he's, not... like,
0: he's got he a was... solution to everything. He's got all these different programs. That's just one of them. So of he, that's, okay. he's probably got dozens of these problems that he's selling you. So.
1: I think like the most basic answer is that our bodies really want to maintain homeostasis or staying the same. Mm -hmm. That includes pretty much everything. So these small things that you do throughout the day or even throughout the weeks aren't going to be causing these like drastic changes in metabolism or hormones or anything like that. It's only like if you've been, again, restricting for like years and years and years and years. So... Yeah. I don't know what, I'm trying to even think of like what they would have taken and ran with, like what small detail that they would have taken and ran with, with this metabolic confusion, because I don't even know how you can misconstrue that.
0: It's, it's like bro science with muscle confusion, right? Like you have to do different exercises every week to confuse your muscles. Cause if you keep doing the same workout in the same sets, like your muscles going to know that it's coming and it's not going to change, you know, which is so ludicrous.
1: Right. <laughs> our muscles li- and our metabolism don't have their own brains, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but
1: they do. And you'll
2: see it on the
0: next
1: video on TikTok.
0: Yeah, <laughs> influencer Karen told me so. Yeah,
2: you know, I mean, you never know that that app ceases to amaze me with this shit I see every single day. It's like, oh wow, yeah.
1: <gasps> and you know yeah, and people ask. so you know? staunchly defending it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, this is ra- I'm like, to the death. Oh. <laughs> what about
2: ingredients that are banned in other countries that are not banned here?
1: Oh man. So I was actually looking into this just the other day for a video that, that I was doing, and mm-hmm. it really just has to do with the regulations. Okay. And I, I tried to look from, I, I did like a .uk website, and I was reading this mm-hmm. whole like opinion piece basically that was saying that European countries actually think the FDA is much more intense than their regulations. Oh, Yeah. Um, Again, it was just an opinion piece, but they were basically talking about how like, you know, they like to bash all of these different things for one reason or another. But all of that to say, the ingredients being banned in other countries is usually for some random reason and has nothing to do with actual like impact on your health. Right. And in some countries, yes, they'll take like a rodent study and say, okay, well, we're just going to cut this out of this product. But it's not because it actually has an impact on humans. They're just being a little bit more proactive. Um, But one of the other things is they also just label them differently. So it's Mm. not that they actually. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. In the UK, they use like E something. I'm probably messing this up, but instead of saying like, I don't know, BHT or something, it'll be like E number 189. And then also we have more regulations as to what has to be on the label. So a lot of people are like, oh my God, there's just so many things on an American food label. That's because we have to list what's all in one product. So you'll see like a name of something and then in parentheses, Mm -hmm. the stuff in parentheses is all what's making up the original word. You know what I mean? And In the UK, apparently they don't have to do that. And then they also you'll see ours there's a lot of times it'll say like less than two percent of and mm-hmm. then list some things yep. i believe in other countries they don't have to do that either so, it so just, our
0: regulations are just a little bit tighter we just be
1: more, or be more precise here that's <laughs> yeah
0: it's neither here nor there right it's not a good or bad. <clears It's, throat> right. the way it is so
2: and just like like with an apple has all those chemicals in it right you're not gonna put <laughs> that on the little tiny sticker on the apple to put what the apple, op- what's in the apple in didn't his- zach
0: zach cohen did an amazing video on that actually i think yeah, it was he
2: an he, apple he out lists- of like a cheeto bag or something I che- don't know.
0: cheetos fire hot fire yeah. hot cheetos or flaming hot and then he also did an mm-hmm. apple and then but of course people took that video like so you're telling me i shouldn't eat an apple like no that's not right. what he was saying at all
1: <laughs> people love yeah. to like m- interpret whatever you said in the most ridiculous way
0: i hate mm-hmm. how we have to put disclaimers on everything at this point like because people are just so conditioned to just uh, we're we're so afraid of food and ingredients that it literally yeah. drives people crazy and that, that, that that's just what they're looking for. Yeah. And I love what Beth says about fear. What is it that you say about fear, Beth? False
2: evidence appearing real.
0: Yeah. I love it. Love it. I love it. Yeah. But that, make I that think- a slogan
2: I think a big thing that I, that it's been bothering me with the ingredients thing now is like they don't think about like these are these rich people in Santa Monica that are shopping at Whole Foods. They don't think yeah. about every single other person that's being affected by the video that they're making And I feel like people feel shamed like oh my god like that's poison I can't afford that for my family therefore I am a bad da, da da I'm not you know yeah. um I think it's just overlooked the whole big picture of what that does.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. And I've talked about that a few times. It's like most people, including myself, can't afford mm-hmm. to be shopping at Whole Foods all the time. Right. And when oh. that's where you're filming your stupid little video, you're right. Mm-hmm. And people feel really shamed because they're like, well, I shopped at the dollar store. Like I shopped right. at Walmart or I shopped. And you know, there's so many videos that basically pan Walmart and be like, look at all this poison. Like Th- yeah. those,
0: those ones always have like millions of likes. Always. <laughs>
1: Always. It's crazy. Yeah. And they're referring to like perfectly fine foods as poison. Mm-hmm. poison? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have see like pictures of, you know, corn oil and canola oil. And it's like, why is the grocery store selling poison? It's like, you know yeah. how many people use that as their main source of like cooking fat or whatever? Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's so yourself. shameful. It's so ridiculous that people assume that you can just buy whatever food yeah. in any food
2: buy this. It's like $10 more than what you, you know, and that $10 could basically feed a family for, you know, who knows. And especially easy. right now. Right. Like- um, yeah. Food is ex- extremely expensive. And if you're able yeah. to put a food on your table, you're lucky. I, I just, I know there's like a, a hunger in this country.
0: Mm-hmm. Not everybody I- has that privilege to uh, easy access yeah. to food and affordable food. And mm-hmm. I made, I was talking with my friend just the other day when I went grocery shopping, like my i I bought my normal stuff and it was like 25 percent more than my normal food bill i'm like where the hell did this come from right like everything's rising right now but i felt that like and that made me think about people that aren't as fortunate you know to be able to um still be able to buy those things and now they're like i've i i've i'm not i haven't had to be a budget shopper in many years you know probably 10 mm-hmm. years or so i used to be like i had to be on a budget at one point but um right, too. and now i don't really now i just kind of go and buy my staples and i don't really think twice about it but i did look at it that time i'm like holy shit like what happened mm-hmm. you know and, and i know tr- cost of chicken and beef and everything's going up right now but then we have people promoting organic that you have to be eating organic uh and mm-hmm. GMO free, where that's just a buzzword for marketing. And of course, it's going to be like 50% more, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy.
2: super frustrating.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to
2: mention the access, like some people don't even have access to these places.
0: Right. Totally food deserts and everything. Yeah. else. Yeah,
2: I have a Walmart and a Hannaford's and then, you know, Trader Joe's TR target and everything else is like an hour and a half for me.
0: Yeah, it's not convenient to go there. That's a full day if you're going to go there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely have a lot more access to things, but I don't have like an Aldi. A lot of people are like, oh, you can get cheap. Mm. We don't have an Aldi. Yeah, um, right. We mm. don't have a Whole Foods. We have like the Vermont version, but it's actually even more expensive than Whole Foods. Mm. Um, and not that that's a food desert by any means, but even still, like people just assume that just because a store exists, it must be where you are. Right. Which is not the case at all.
0: Yeah, for sure. The majority of the country does not live in a, in a city. So, you know, And
1: even in cities, you can be in a food desert in a city.
0: That's very true. Yeah. The only thing you have is maybe a convenience store, 7-Eleven that has like the, the basics, you know, maybe bananas, it would be the freshest things they have or something, but Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Andy and I did this a while ago. We like did uh, meals on a budget and we tried, I forget what it was, what the amount was, but we tried to like create a meal plan for a week based on the, the money that you had available for the week. It was hard Mm -hmm. to do. We were able to do it. But you know, what I also considered is like transportation. So I did something that was like within the bus from my house and just things that people, again, shopping and Whole Foods and videoing it don't
0: consider. That's great. You you did those videos on TikTok?
1: Yeah, it was a while ago now. It was probably like approaching a year ago. I guess I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And we both said, we were like, it was hard, you know, and it, it's a lot of the stuff that you'd think it's a lot of like beans and rice and frozen mm-hmm. veggies and stuff like that, but it worked, but it definitely was tough to finagle. Yeah. yeah. You should repost those videos.
0: I was just going to say I, that. I should. Yeah.
1: I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Elena uh, where like, this has been, this has been awesome. I, I, I really loved the, the dive we did on the metabolism and, and tackled some of those, those myths um, for people that are listening. Hopefully they already know who you are, but if they don't, like where can people find you and find out more information about you and what you're all about?
1: Yeah. Um, TikTok and Instagram, it's just Elena Eford, pretty simple. Um, my, we have a YouTube as well, but that's under my clinic's name. So the calm clinic, calm is public K A H M that I post about once a week, sometimes twice. And it's usually similar stuff to might be on TikTok and Instagram, but in a lot more detail. And then one of the other dietitians that works at the Com clinic also posts some videos and yeah, that those are the main places to get to me. I usually try to respond to DMS, not about specific cases, of course, right. but on Instagram and not TikTok because TikTok gets out of control.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that. Do you work with clients online or do you offer any type of services <clears throat> online or programs?
1: We do some. So unfortunately, since like what I do is so sort of, I guess you could say specialized, mm-hmm. you have to be licensed in all these different states, but there are states that don't require that licensure. So it's a little bit dependent on that. And if you're in a state that doesn't require that licensure, I can definitely see you. If not, we can't right now until I, I don't know, potentially get all those licensures. We'll figure it out. But Fine. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Yeah, thank you. This is fun. Good to see you guys' faces. Yeah, you too. Always.
0: always. Thanks again, Elena. You're
1: welcome. Bye. Bye. Oh,
0: so, so, so sorry, Beth. I, keep, I don't know why I was talking over Matt, you so much. You're,
2: you're freaking chatty Kathy, today. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to uh, let Matt take over and I'm going to sit here and drink my coffee.
0: <laughs> my bad. Sorry for everybody. I had to listen to that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It was, it was a good interview, though. Elena's great.
2: Yeah, yeah she's awesome.
0: I'm, mm-hmm. I was really excited to get her on here and talk about the metabolism piece because Yeah. That, I mean, we are hearing that every day. Right. And there's just so much <sighs> bullshit surrounding metabolism out there.
2: So many people need to listen to this episode.
0: Yes. Yeah. Seriously. I really hope yeah.
2: the whole entire way
0: <laughs> from start to finish and then listen to it again and share it with friends because um, it, share it like it. Yes. Because, um, once you understand these things, what that she was saying and what we were talking about, life is going to get a lot fucking easier for you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a lot yeah. easier for you. You're not broken. You're not broken. That's wow. bottom line.
1: You
2: think you are, but you're not.
0: Mm-hmm. You've been told that you are for so long that you actually believe it now. That's the problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not yeah. your fault, but it's it's your responsibility to, to un, unfuck yourself at this point and, and undo that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Are those our words right there?
2: <laughs> Unfuck yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which I love that book. It's sitting here right beside me. But um yeah, yeah.
2: I, I gotta open it. I gotta open it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, so at this point, um, when this episode comes out, um, the Patreon will have been live for a week. So let's pl- plug that really quickly, just for a quick minute. If anybody is out there that wants to support our show our content, the podcast, what have you, um, we do have a new Patreon. So we, uh, you become a patron of ours for either five or $10 a month. Um, Beth, what does that consist of?
2: So you can join for $5 a month and you will receive monthly workouts and also a monthly challenge. So month, the workouts will be able to be done in the gym or at home. Um, and the challenges will be, will be habit-based. So building a healthy lifestyle over time, And then for the $10 tier, um, what is called? It's called the bullshitter Supreme. The first one was was the no bullshitters, right? And then the second tier is the bullshitter Supreme or Mike, did I get that right? For $10 a month. (laughs) And then you're going to get the same thing, workouts and monthly challenges as well as this is our favorite is recipes, low calorie, high protein, family friendly, friendly, kid friendly designed, um, with your you know favorite comfort food in mind really um by a professional chef that is uh, certified in nutrition mm. um all the recipes will be integrated in my fitness pal which is huge because so easy get so asked about all the time how do I put this in my fitness pal? Okay you're already gonna have easy access to that so yep. that is the ten dollar tier which I'm really excited about like everything you guys ask us will be in here.
0: Absolutely, I'm really excited for it too. That, the um,
2: fundamentals of your health.
0: The fundamentals. That's all we need right there. Like we said earlier with Elena, so that mm-hmm. is going to be uh, patreon.com slash cut the cut the crap podcast. We'll put a link to it in our notes, and then there's also going there's also a link in our bio for that as well. Um, yeah. So hope to see you guys there um, enjoy some exclusive content. And we wanted to say we truly appreciate everybody <laughs> listening in. Um, even if you don't want to join the Patreon, we appreciate you and love you. And, um, you know, yeah. if you found, if you find our podcast and content helpful, share it with a friend or family member, because, um, that's one of the best ways you can help us get, reach more people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Fitness, fitness for everyone.
0: Fitness for everybody on, we're on a quest to rid the world of bullshit when it comes to health and fitness. Let's yes. make this shit for everybody. That's right. All right,
2: y'all. All right, Beth. All right. Ciao.
0: See you. And that is a wrap for this episode of Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt. Did we help you cut through the bullshit? We want to know. Send us a DM on Instagram and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. And if you did find this one helpful, why not share this episode with a friend? I know I personally love it when a friend shares their favorite podcast with me along with a text saying, Oh my God, you have got to check out this podcast. You'll love it. And of course don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes.